Why is the church, the body of Christ, in such a mess? How did the plethora of church traditions begin? Are the church fathers to blame? Having a shallow understanding of the Bible, most Christians do not recognize the state of confusion and doctrinal disarray within the church. Even those with some insight do not understand how or where the flawed church traditions originated. Well, let's find out. First, we must understand the clear distinction between us, the body of Christ, the church in this present dispensation of grace, God's program to save Gentiles, contrasted with Israel's kingdom program. You must understand the difference between those two paradigms. Israel's kingdom program culminates with the earthly kingdom promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and King David, the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. Most of your Bible pertains to Israel's kingdom program, beginning with the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 7. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. Now the mystery program of grace is a heavenly model, as our Apostle Paul states in Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 3 and 20. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Ephesians 3.10 Also, Paul writes to the Corinthians, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, and house made not with hands, eternal in the heavens. 2 Corinthians 5.1 Our eternal home is heavenly places. We are eternal in the heavens, but Israel has a kingdom on this earth and also on the new earth. God has a plan for this earth using Israel and a plan for the heavens using the body of Christ, us, the church. God announced his plans in Genesis and in Revelation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, Genesis 1.1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea, Revelation 21.1. The heaven and the new heaven pertain to the church, the body of Christ. The earth and the new earth pertain to Israel and their ruling over the nations. The distinction is clear. Two realms, two programs, two entities. But something happened in the early church history 
that blurred this clear distinction, blending the earthly kingdom program for Israel with the heavenly program for the body of Christ. The result was Christendom. Christendom. True biblical Christianity plus Israel's kingdom program plus a dash of paganism equals Christendom. Some New Testament facts. Number one, Jesus came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew 15, 24. Jesus chose 12 disciples that will one day judge the 12 tribes of Israel. That ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel, Luke 22:30. Number three, there are 12 apostles called to represent and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Number four, there was one apostle, Paul, called by Jesus to represent and preach to the Gentiles. Number five, 12 to 12, one to one. Number six, the 12 apostles were apostles to Israel. They preached the gospel of circumcision to Israel. Galatians 2, 7 through 9, and Mark 16, 14 through 18. Number seven, Paul was the original apostle to the Gentiles. He preached the gospel of the uncircumcision, also known as the gospel of grace. Now, after the Roman legions ransacked Jerusalem, destroying the temple in 70 AD, Christianity flourished under Roman persecution. Then came the church fathers, a.k.a. the patristic fathers, or the patristic theologians. Paul's gospel of grace all but disappeared in the regions of Asia Minor, a once fertile ground for the gospel. Before Paul was martyred, he wrote, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, 2 Timothy 1, 15. Phygelus means little fugitive, and Hermogenes means son of Mercury. Both Greeks, both apostates, returning to their Greek heritage. Over a few hundred years, the simple grace of Paul's gospel was replaced by a faith plus works message from the Old Testament and the teachings of Jesus and the Gospels. The period of church fathers begins in the second century, continuing at least through the fifth century. This period included such men as Clement of Alexandria, Origen, Jerome, and Augustine of Hippo. In most church fathers' writings, there's no mention of the distinctive doctrines of grace, the multiple mysteries of the dispensation, nor the uniqueness of the body of Christ, the one new man. Most of the teachings of the church fathers come from the Old Testament, the four Gospels, and the Hebrew epistles. Rightly dividing the word of truth is nowhere to be found among the church fathers' teachings. The church fathers did not promote Pauline doctrine. They taught Jesus and the apostles. The church fathers were highly influenced by pagan Greek philosophy. They came to Christianity as pagans with no background in the scriptures. They were fascinated and obsessed with the likes of Aristotle and Socrates. They deepened the influence of Gnosticism into Christian theology. 
Paul was familiar with the spread and impact of Greek philosophy, which most likely prompted him to write the following. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Colossians 2, 8. Pagan Greek philosophy was a major influence upon the church fathers. They were converts from paganism, not Judaism. What the Old Testament scriptures were to the writers of the New Testament is what the writings of the Greek philosophers and the cults of classic paganism were to the church fathers. That's a quote from Sir Robert Anderson, The Bible or the Church. The distinctive doctrines of the dispensation of grace were all but lost to the church due to the church fathers and the growing body of church tradition, even though the doctrine of grace was always in the Word of God. But the Bible became a forbidden book. Consequently, the Dark Ages. The concept of sola scriptura was lost for over a thousand years. It did not resurface in the mainstream church until the Reformation. One cannot separate Greek philosophy from the church fathers. That corruption of the true doctrines of Christianity continues to this very day. Most churches in the West are suffering under the apostasy of Christendom, exploiting scriptures meant for Israel, misapplying them to the body of Christ. Here's an interesting quote. Quote, I believe it to be an error to suppose that, as a matter of fact, our first and only knowledge of Christ and of his claim upon us is derived from that sacred volume. I cannot see the faintest indication in the New Testament itself that such a thing was ever contemplated by our Lord or by his apostles. End quote. The Christian year, its purpose, and its history, Archbishop John Gwynn, 1947-2017. That is Christendom, not true biblical Christianity. The Archbishop is either ignorant or deliberately deceitful, stating that the Bible is not the first and only source of divine information about Jesus Christ. He adds that he cannot find any passage stating the exclusivity of the Bible as our sole source of divine truth. Of course he would make that statement. He believes the papacy is also a source of divine truth, even superior to the Bible. Well, what about passages like this? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10.17. Not hearing by archbishops or popes. Another passage. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the word of God, Revelation 19.13. Another. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the Word was God. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. John 5.39 Archbishop Gwynn marginalizes the Word of God in favor of papal infallibility, making himself a minister of Satan. There are few with boldness to call out the Church Fathers for what they were, the primary group of men who laid the foundation of errors upon which apostate Christendom 
has been built. Sir Robert Anderson is one such man who speaks with boldness. Quote, But on this subject, our present-day theology, so far from reflecting the wisdom and knowledge of God, partakes of the ignorance and errors of the patristic theologians. Plain words, I repeat, are needed here. For the writing of the Church Fathers affords a vantage ground for Romish attacks upon the citadel of divine truth, the Bible, and for the insidious efforts of German skepticism, higher criticism, to undermine its, the Bible's, very foundation. Sir Robert Anderson, The Bible or the Church. What was the source of the error of the Church Fathers? Ignoring the writings of Paul and the dispensation of grace, they abducted the body of Christ, the Church, shackling it to the law and Israel's kingdom program, even though that program was postponed by God. Here are two more interesting comments. Quote, To follow the practices of the local assembly of Acts 1-7 through and thus ignore God's instructions to the church through Paul is to lose God's blessing. Even Peter did not fully understand God's new program through Paul and had to be instructed further, end quote. Warren Wiersbe, Expository Outlines of the New Testament, page 141. Again, quote, The message of the kingdom given through the Old Testament prophets, Acts 3, 18-26, was replaced by the message of grace of God revealed in its fullness through Paul, Acts 13, 38-43. Israel, as a nation, was set aside and will not be prominent in God's program on earth again until after the church has been raptured. To mix kingdom truth and church truth is to confuse the word of God and to hinder the work of God, end quote. Warren Wiersbe, <clears throat> can't say his name, Warren Wiersbe, expository outline of the New Testament, page 144. Failure to separate law from grace, Israel from the church, the kingdom from the body of Christ, always creates confusion, error, and false doctrine. They had the same problem many Christians have today. What do we do with the epistles of Paul? Everything in the Bible, the Old Testament, the Gospels, Acts, and Hebrews to Revelation, seems to harmonize, all except the writings of Paul. It's like Paul is out of sync with everyone else. Because Paul teaches grace, everyone else teaches the law of Moses. The church fathers did what many do today. They simply ignore Paul's message and the dispensation of grace, continuing in Israel's kingdom program. Another fantastic quote from Warren Wiersbe. Quote, Again, let it be said that God never meant for Paul to belong to the Twelve. Their ministry was to the Jews and was related to the kingdom. Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles and was related to the mystery of the church, the one body. The Twelve received their call on earth because their message presented the earthly hope of Israel. Paul received his call from heaven because his message presented the heavenly calling the church has in Christ. There were twelve apostles associated with the twelve tribes of Israel. Paul was one man, 
a Jew with Gentile citizenship, picturing the one body in Christ, end quote. Expository Outlines of the New Testament, page 288. One last quotation, quote, Failure to distinguish between the kingdom message given by Christ to the apostles and the new message of grace given by Christ to Paul after the rejection by Israel of the kingdom offer is the root of all confusion among Christians. Unless we recognize God's dispensational dealings, we cannot understand the Bible, but it will appear to be full of contradictions. To apply the kingdom message to the church and to mix law and grace results in confusion, chaos, fanaticism, error, and misunderstanding. Dr. M. R. D. Hahn, Galatians, page 23. So why did the church fathers fail to recognize the fundamental distinctions between the kingdom program for Israel and the grace program for Gentiles? Again, Sir Robert Anderson answers the question, quote, It is noteworthy that while the writers of the New Testament, one and all, were men who, like Timothy, had known the Hebrew scriptures from infancy, the patristic theologians were converts from paganism, and having regard to their comparative lack of acquaintance with the Old Testament, it is not strange, perhaps, that in the then condition of the Jewish people, crushed, apparently beyond any hope of recovery, by the judgments that had overwhelmed them, the belief prevailed that God had cast away his people, Israel, forever, whom he foreknew, Romans 11.1. 1. The Old Testament prophecy relating to the future glory of Israel was spiritualized to mean the present glory of the church, the Bible or the church by Sir Robert Anderson. So let's summarize all this. True biblical Christianity plus Israel's kingdom program plus paganism equals Christendom. Jesus and the 12 apostles ministered to Israel. The apostle Paul ministered to Gentiles. The church fathers, aka the patristic fathers or the patristic theologians, roughly 200 to 600 AD, they were saved as pagans with no background in the scriptures. Pagan Greek philosophy was the major influence upon the church fathers. The church fathers' background was Greek paganism, not the Old Testament. Because of the destruction and scattering of Israel in AD 70, it was easy to believe that God was done with the Jews. The promise of a future glory of Israel were then misappropriated to the church. This is replacement theology. We still suffer under this heresy today as many scriptures meant for Israel are stolen and misapplied to the church, the body of Christ. This hideous doctrine of replacement theology was based on what the church fathers observed and not what was written in the Bible. For several centuries, they observed the unbelief, destruction, and scattering of the Jews, their homeland being a desolate wilderness. They assumed this was their permanent state. The promises God made to Israel were then incorporated into the church, robbing Israel and polluting the true nature of the church, the body of Christ. This quote sums it up. Because of this failure to distinguish law and grace, Israel and the body of Christ, prophecy and mystery, the inevitable result 
was catastrophic confusion. Instead of observing what God had separated, man tried to blend and mix and harmonize. Thus, the law was robbed of its terror and grace was robbed of its freeness. It became hidden that the law of God condemns the finest of Adam's posterity and grace redeems the worst of the same family. Prophetic truth was confused and mystery truths were all but completely lost. However, the most tragic result of the error of the church fathers was that the body of Christ lost the glory of its present mission and purpose by becoming a hybrid, a bastard offspring of Christianity and Judaism, popularly referred to as spiritual Israel, of which Satan, not God, was the architect, and unbelieving man, the builder. End quote. The Apostasy of the Christian Church, R. Dawson Barlow, page 138. The body of Christ is not spiritual Israel. We must actively preserve the distinction and uniqueness of the body of Christ and refute those that try to diminish the distinction. Let's bring this into the present time. The greatest source of error in the church today comes from the failure to rightly divide the scriptures. This massive error does not stem from adding extra biblical teachings to the word, but has its source in applying extra dispensational doctrines to the church, the body of Christ. Extra dispensational doctrines and teachings given by God to another people for another time, either prior to or following the dispensation of grace. We are currently in the dispensation of grace. Doctrines and teachings given to Israel under the law are extra dispensational. They do not apply to us in the dispensation of grace. Teachings meant for the seven-year tribulation and the millennial kingdom are extra dispensational. They do not apply to us in the dispensation of grace. Rightly dividing the word will resolve the confusion created by extra dispensational teachings erroneously applied to the body of Christ. Those teachings will remain in their proper dispensations and not be applied to the church, the body of Christ. Remember, I am talking about doctrine. We study the entire Bible for spiritual and historical teaching and instruction, but our doctrine comes from the writings of Paul, Romans through Philemon. Now, an integral part of understanding right division is to see God's timeline from Genesis to Revelation in chart format. I have two such works available in print and PDF. The first is a free, rightly dividing the word of truth chart in landscape format. This chart displays God's timeline from Genesis to Revelation. It alone is a tremendous help in understanding the Bible and can be easily downloaded from my website. Second, a letter-sized booklet named The Master Key to Understanding the Bible. This 44-page guide is full-color and professionally printed through Lightning Source. It has 13 large, full-color charts displaying the right division concept in great detail. The guide covers the same material as the videos and podcasts and is a must-have companion for the serious student of the Bible. Both are available on my website, breadoflife.media. Well, thanks for joining me today. Until next time, God bless.